Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. What is up, Gamecock Nation? Welcome in. Happy game week. We made it. I'm Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark. Chris, you were you were looking perfect on screen until we went live. Now you're a little bit blurry, but I'm I'm hoping our audio is still going to be good, man. Uh, Chris, a uh, a man on a mission right now. He has trekked up into the DMV, much like the Gamecocks coaches have been on the recruiting trail. Uh, Chris, man, we got plenty to get to today. But uh, first of all, where where are you joining us from? Where what are you uh, frequenting there um, up in the Northeast? I am live from La Coupe in Washington D.C. So shout out to them. They did not know uh, that we would be doing a GC live. Uh, they didn't pay for a sponsored spot, but they have graciously hosted me by giving me a nice uh, cold brew and uh, coffee. That is. Um, and we're hanging out here, Wes, after uh, covering a big commitment today. So appreciate any any Gamecocks in the area. Make sure you out La Coupe. Good spot here in D.C. Yeah, we certainly appreciate them hosting us. Again, plenty to talk about, Chris. It is game week. This, uh, you know, we would have been, I think, we would have had some excitement for today anyway just because we're closing in on the season opener. But then you have um, – what we were anticipating, a commitment for South Carolina. It ends up going their way. Um, Desmond Yumiya Zulu, four-star edge, commits to South Carolina. Finalists were, of course, the Gamecocks, Ohio State, North Carolina, and Pitt. We thought it was going this way. It does go South Carolina's way. I guess, um, first of all, man, before you give us a little bit of kind of setting the scene there, what are your thoughts on this commitment for South Carolina? Obviously, another big pickup for Sterling Lucas. Yeah, it's a huge one. I mean, you, you look at what this kid brings to the table. He's a big, long-limbed, you know, athletic guy. And I know how ridiculous I look, Wes, by the way, wearing these sunglasses. Y'all got to bear with me. It is approximately 100 degrees out here. Um, and the sun is absolutely beating down. It's, it's a little too loud inside, so doing the best I can here. Uh, but, you know, Desmond Umiazulu, he's about 6'6", 239, 240-ish range, um, long limb. I mean, you, you look at his film, and you can see the size, the athleticism. Um, he's a kid that's going to need to continue getting big and stronger, but you talk to people around the program, or you talk to people that, you know, are familiar with this game in that DMV area, 
they all kind of say the same things, and that is that he has a really, really big upside. Um, again, long kid, needs to get stronger, needs to continue refining his technique and learning the game, but really has an extremely high ceiling when you look at the physical tools and, and already how far he's come at the high school level. So uh, you were there live. Uh, we carried it live on GamecockCentral.com. On our YouTube page, you can subscribe, you can subscribe to our YouTube page, I should say, uh, for free. Chris, uh, I could feel the excitement for this one just based on the pure numbers that were tuned in for this thing. It was – I don't know if you could see on your end, man. It was up over, I think, 1,200, 1,300 people on there at any one given time at 11.40 a.m. on a Monday morning. Uh, maybe some people stealing a couple of little extra lunch hours from work there. But, Chris, uh, the fan base is excited. They're ready. What was the scene there at the school? And uh, I believe from what you posted on the Insider Forum on Gamecock Central, maybe there were a couple of firsts involved with this one. Uh, what was the atmosphere like as Desmond made his announcement? Let me tell you, man, I, I'm going to go all the way in on this one and go official. It was the most impressive commitment ceremony I've covered. Wow. wow. Yes. I mean, I, I agree because there there are – there were some firsts in there, but just the way they did it from, from you know, start to finish was really cool, uh, really hospitable. Uh, got to spend some time with Jackie, who is uh, Desmond's mother. Could not have been more welcome. Felt like I was at her house, you know, and she's just trying to basically doting on me, figuring out, you know, what, what do you need? What, what can I do? Um, but, you know, they, they had it set up very well. Um, they had lights on the stage. They obviously had the streams going. They had a lot of customized. Sorry, they had a lot of customized things on the stage, even less preventing hat science from going on. Um, she, Jackie, explained to me that she had not only one of those posters on the side, but she had the hats out in order of the official visit. And nobody was going to go up there and try to pick out where where which hat was and try to figure out if that meant anything. It was in order of the official visits, and then yes, yeah, some first. Cardboard cutout, which I know, Wes, you're probably getting destroyed with comments because of the, the camera angle there. Sorry, everybody, but I know that the cardboard cutout was very hard to see. It was hard to see in person because all those lights were hitting it. But you had a first for me, the cardboard cutout of the Gamecocks uh, that he used to reveal uh, his destination. And you also had, Wes, a custom branded bottle of apple juice um, at uh, with the food. Which is another cool thing. Jerk chicken was on the menu afterwards. So it, it was a really cool ceremony. Uh, lots of family there, lots of teammates. And the ceremony itself was nice and classy as well. So it, it, was, it was a really, really good, you know, event that they put on today. Yeah, Chris, I don't know if I knew beforehand, but um, Desmond made it pretty clear. The plan right now is uh, to go ahead, graduate in December, enroll in January, um, you know, sometimes that's up in the air. Sometimes it's a decision that's going to be made later. He said it very matter-of-factly, like, you know, hey, it's happening. And, um, you know, I think that's another that's another check of a box, I think, for him and for South Carolina. We've talked quite a bit, man, about the importance of getting a couple of edge guys in this class. And, uh, obviously, Montague Rames was kind of, you know, still a great commitment, but it was a little bit assumed that he was going to end up at South Carolina, the hometown connection right down the road. 
I think Carolina pretty much led throughout that recruitment. Well, we kept asking who's going to be the other guy, who can they sort of pair up with Montague Rames. They get that here today with the commitment. Uh, what what did you hear from him and his family about the job Sterling Lucas did here? You and I have constantly and consistently heard, hey, Sterling Lucas is like hit the ground running. Sterling Lucas has done a good job with these guys. I think in the building there's a lot of love for the job Lucas has done. But what did you hear from uh, the Yumi Azulu family about his uh, just relationships that was that were built here? Yeah, I mean, it, it was a key factor. Everyone from Desmond to uh, the high school coach at Flowers High, Damian Powell, uh, to Jackie, his, Desmond's mother, they all, to a person, cited the consistency of South Carolina, uh, the reliability. Um, we're going to have thoughts, more detailed thoughts from all those in the coming days on, on Gamecock Central uh, that, that really gives some cool insight into that. But they, they really cited that as a determining factor. I mean, I, I remember uh, Jackie, his mother, telling me right after the announcement that she was at peace if Desmond had wanted to go to South Carolina back in May. Um, you know, the first unofficial visit he took, just a, a family atmosphere and very welcoming. And, you know, Sterling Lucas done a great job. I think we all knew that Shane Beamer was going to bring some DMV ties because of obviously his father and his own time at Virginia Tech as a player and as an assistant coach. He's got a lot of deep roots. Torian Gray, former Virginia Tech assistant as well, you know, is somebody that obviously brought ties. But Sterling Lucas actually has, you know, not only in terms of position coach, but he's got a chunk of schools, you know, in the DMV area. And I think we forget he spent time with the Baltimore Ravens, and that's obviously not college football recruiting, but it was kind of natural to slide him in. Just so happens that some of South Carolina's top targets who can play edge or will play edge are up here. So Yumi Azulu, you look at uh, the 2024 class at Friendship Academy in D.C., you've got Dylan Stewart. You obviously have Archbishop Carroll, Nicholas Harbor. That's the guy that you know. both of those last two that I mentioned, Sterling Lucas is heavily involved with. And – um you know, they, they talked about Lucas a lot. He's, I think it didn't take us long, Wes. We both started independently hearing right after Lucas got to South Carolina that he was starting to make some headway. So talking to some people up here today um, who are kind of familiar with the landscape, they're all going, yeah, you know, Sterling Lucas is getting after it. He's very thorough um, every day. He's contacting coaches and important people in the area about his top guys. And so I think his personality and work ethic has, has impressed up here. So he'll um, he'll obviously sort of add some talent here to work with, and uh, he has two now. We'll see what happens with Nick Harbor, somebody who, you know, frankly could play about any position on the field. So that that's part of that conversation too. But um, man, you look you look at what South Carolina lost from the edge spot last year. You look at the fact Jordan Strong, this is his last season. Hey, Jordan Birch, believe it or not, he's a junior, so he is NFL eligible at this point. Was going to be massive for them to sort of start to kind of restock that position. We talked about it all offseason as well. They didn't really fill their needs. Beamer even, you know, said this. They didn't fill their needs at the edge position last recruiting cycle. A big step towards doing that. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, he's going to have to fill out the frame a little bit, add some weight. Uh, he's listed at, uh, right at, right under 240 pounds, I think 239 on on three. Um what, first of all, did does he appear? Is he is he legit six six? Is is this kid really as long as he's listed? And um, what impression did you get 
um, if you talk to his coach or, you know, just anybody around there on kind of the, the next step for him as a prospect, as a player, I think this is a true edge, you know, not, not like maybe some of the other kids who you look at, you say, all right, that guy's going to be inside eventually. Desmond, I think is like a true traditional go get the quarterback edge rusher. Yeah, for sure. He, uh, somebody said six five today. Some say six six. I, I didn't. I didn't put him on. Uh, I didn't put him up against the wall and measure him, Wes. But I, I could buy either. You know, just from being around six five, six six, certainly would have worked. Um, so he, he's certainly in that range, and you can tell. I mean, I think this kid, his maybe his freshman season, I want to say, uh, was about two hundred pounds, and now he's put on enough weight to where he's up, like you said pushing 240, and I think he'll be there sooner than later, particularly when he gets in a college program. I think the next step for him in talking to his high school coach is, you know, I posed that question to him, what is his ceiling? You know, how good can he be? And he thought that he's still got, you know, a good ways to go, a good ways to go. You know, that, that's not a negative. That means he's gotten a lot better. Um, but he just thought continuing to refine his game. He, he even used the phrase continuing to learn the game. Um, and also getting stronger. So, you know, he's got a really good frame to work with, but you can tell this is someone that has the capacity to get a good bit bigger. Totally agree with you. He's, he's a straight edge player. This isn't someone you look at and go, is he an inside player? It's definitely an edge player, uh, but he's someone that can get a good bit bigger. He's still going to be able to move. Um, and, and he's got, you know, he, he uses his hands pretty well. You know, that's something that also was talked about both by Desmond and his high school coach. And, man, so now you look at them sort of um, – I don't want to say they're done in the trenches because they're not, but you can see the not only the foundation of this class in the trenches, but most of this class now built out. Um, you know, the trenches hashtag has been going strong. You look now, I mean, you know, they, they add McLeod, obviously. They add Xavier Hardy, the most recent, before Desmond committed. And, uh, I mean, I think you look – what would you say – Elijah Davis at defensive tackle, Juco kid. They obviously want him. You look at Nick Harbour, who's, you know, athlete in every sense of the word. Um, maybe a Juco offensive tackle if you're looking to that other side of the ball. But, you know, for the most part, they've kind of um, – they've, they've hit on their guys, you know, like they've, they've hit their spots. I, I think they have to be sitting here turning their attention firmly to college football on the field feeling really good about this recruiting class. Currently number uh, 16 in the country, 20 commitments, half of them, exactly half of them, your blue chip ratio at 50% are four-star prospects. Yeah, and you mentioned the the trenches hashtag. And, you know, I think the top – I had the stat today. The top, I don't know, eight or so from this class, West were all guys that committed right at the end of June, which was pup-powered and then a bunch of guys after him. So they've certainly heated up on the trail. They've saved their best work for this summer. They've got some big fish remaining this season, like Nicholas Harbor, and there will be others. Uh, you know, and you look at the top half of the class, or the, not the top half, the top fourth, I'd say, linemen. You know, so Marky, you know, in terms of ranking, it's you've got Marky Anderson, then you've got Xavion Hardy, then you've got Desmond Umio Zulu. And then you've got Xavier McLeod. So you've got three defensive linemen and an offensive lineman. And both those classes are coming along quite, quite nicely. 
Um, they do have some big targets out there. Davis, like you mentioned, Harbor. I'll be curious, Wes, if they don't look around and say, okay, is there a spot potentially depending on who jumps in the portal, which we don't know at this point, long way to go. Is there a potential for an edge rusher out of the portal? I think that's something to possibly monitor in the future. But certainly when you look at their high school class and the potential to add a JUCO guy like Elijah Davis or maybe Elijah Felipe on the offensive side of the ball, that would round out the class quite nicely. And if they can get all these guys in, uh, that it's a really, really nice foundation in this class. Yeah, man, I think uh, certainly if the right edge guy's out there, you at least have that conversation, right? Like you at least look into that possibility, I think, at edge uh, in the portal. But, um, you know, if the right guy's not there or it doesn't work out, I think you're if you're South Carolina, you got to be feeling pretty good about where you're at right now going into this season. So uh, the other big news today, we're going to be joined shortly by Colin Taylor. He's going to be popping in. Uh, he's going to be kind of trading out for Chris, who – has to go complete the rest of his mission in the DMV. Maybe uh, maybe be on the lookout for another interview on Gamecock Central at some point. We'll just we'll leave it at that, Chris. He, Chris has got a mission to complete. We'll let him handle that. But, Chris, the new mascot name, no longer Sir Big Spur. We knew that. The name is now the General. Chris Clark, your honest reaction. What do you think? Uh, you know, Wes, I haven't, haven't really processed it fully. Um, it, it was, it broke while I was sitting here in La Coupe and, uh, been focused on a lot of things obviously, but you know, I'm okay with it. Um, I like Sir Big Spur. I was fine with that. Obviously it couldn't stay. So I'm fine with the general. Um, they, they might, if, if Nicholas Harbor wanted to commit to South Carolina, they may rename it again, General Harbor, General Nicholas Harbor. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them, but I'm fine with it. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I, I feel like, um, and, and I'm gonna. Once you get off, Chris, I know you got somewhere to be. I'm gonna read the quote about why they did it. I, I like that there's some historical um, ties to it. Yep. Um, they went a little safe. I feel like they've been a little more open to kind of playing into the name. Um, like, you know, for a while, they'd steered so far away from calling anything officially the cockpit. Like, it was like, oh, you can't call it the cockpit. You can't. Well, now there's literally a sign in the student section, massive, that says the cockpit. So, like, I, I would have liked a, maybe a little more of a play on words and, like, kind of lean into that part of it. But I get it. Yeah. Spur Big Spur was fine. Yeah, the whole totally. thing's ridiculous anyway. But yes, <laughs> yeah. All right, Chris, we'll let you get out of here, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. See ya. Yep, we're gonna switch out, Chris. Bring in young Colin Taylor. Colin, game week is here. What's up, man? I almost I, I came this close to putting Cock Commander as my name for this <laughs> for this broadcast, but uh, well this this would be the only day. This week was about the only week you could get away with that. You know, like any other time, if you hopped on a Zoom and you put that, um, and anywhere else in the country, you're probably looking for a job. But <laughs> in, in South Carolina uh, and covering the Gamecocks, that's a valid name, apparently. Yeah, it's it's hilarious because Cock Commander, the funniest part of that was it's such an insular South Carolina student media thing that those who went through 
student media at USC um, knew quite well. And so now I'm getting to watch all these people that didn't have a clue about it a week ago, learn about it. And, and it's just been absolutely hilarious to see. So um, long live Cock Commander. I like the general, but I'm never going to not laugh at Cock Commander. Yeah, so so weird how that thing just went. It just went viral, man. Like it, and and the whole mascot name change thing has been known locally for a few weeks now, or at least a couple of weeks now. And then it was like, boom! All of a sudden, it becomes a national thing. It takes off, and then all of a sudden, we're having the conversation again. Um, so here is the quote. This comes from. Uh, Eric Nichols, South Carolina, official title, South Carolina Deputy Athletic, Athletics Director, um, basically over South Carolina's marketing. He says, we know Gamecock fans are passionate about our traditions and seeing the live mascot at games and other athletics events is something they look forward to. We realized that, that we'd have to change his name to keep that tradition alive. It seemed fitting to go back to where Gamecocks got started. Um, yeah, so the general, the general it is. I, I feel like they kind of went the route of if, if you went too extreme with this name and like kind of some of the more out there names, you're probably, you know, you're going to make a one group of people really, really happy. You're going to make a bigger group of people not that happy. I feel like this was sort of the more, all right, most people will be okay yeah. with this name. Um, feels like the, the safe route to me, Kyle. Yeah, it, it's not cartoonish. Um like cock commander and I, I don't say cartoonish in a, as a bad way it's not it doesn't elicit a chuckle it doesn't elicit anything like that but it falls back on tradition um it falls back on obviously thomas sumter who the mascot's named after i mean you're the south carolina gamecocks after thomas sumter so um falls back on that and i get where they're coming from and it's it's safe it's easy to say um it's easy to understand it looks good on national television when you you pan to the the live mascot and you see it so i have no issue with it i I understand where they did it i'm still gonna laugh at cock commander every time i see it as you should as you should um so all right we're we're turning our attention to game week uh by the way of course i didn't tell you all at the beginning of the show because we had so much to get to this is brought to you by our buddy clint hammond of the mortgage network presenting sponsor of gc live each and every day nmls number 71597 email address c hammond at mortgagenetwork.com you see his number right there, 803-771-6933. Clint has more numbers than a phone book, I think. So just call any of the numbers that pop up. Clint will be there to answer. But, uh, Colin, game week is here. What do we know about Georgia State as we close in on this thing? What Any first impressions on this matchup? We've talked about South Carolina for so long. It's time to actually talk about Don Elliott's group. They're good. <laughs> they're they're a really good football team. Um, and if South Carolina doesn't have their you know what together, they got a chance to to be on the losing end of it. And uh, they run the ball really well. They have a really experienced and, and veteran offensive line. I believe they're changing offensive coordinators, if I'm not mistaken. It used to be oddly yeah. enough Justin Stepp's brother, who was there, and then he got a job obviously at Louisville. Um, so. Well, he that. never called a play for him. He right. basically he became got, the OC. Right. He left. Yeah. And then left to go be at Louisville. So um, kind of a, a transition in that regard. But, you know, it, it doesn't take a good offensive coordinator to learn, hey, turn the ball around and hand it to this running back and let the really good offensive line work. So I think for South Carolina, 
you're going to see a lot of the ground game, a lot of trying to control the clock and the field position. Um, it's just a veteran group, and, and Coach Sean Elliott's done a really remar- you know, remarkable job at that program and, and turned it into a, a solid, you know, Sun Belt group of five program. And um, they're, they're going to run the ball, and, and you're going to see a lot of familiar faces on that side of the, the field uh, <laughs> come Saturday night. Yeah, they, uh, they, they've got a lot of South Carolina guys. And, um, you know, you look right at, at the quarterback position, Darren Granger, he's out of Conway High School, uh, redshirt senior, took took over their position last year. That It kind of looked like another guy was going to be their quarterback coming into the year. He takes over, I think, about midway point, maybe a little before that. It's his team. It's his offense. He can run the ball, uh, solid passer. But as you said, they got a couple of really good backs. They're going to lean on that offensive line. They're going to lean on their defensive front. Um, several other kids from the state of South Carolina. So I, I guarantee Sean I, – I know this game has Sean Elliott's attention. Like, they're, this is Sean Elliott's Super Bowl. Like, don't get it twisted. Sean Elliott will probably one day retire and be tailgating at Williams-Price Stadium, drinking beers and enjoying Gamecock football. But on this week, on this Saturday – Sean Elliott wants to take the Gamecock souls. And I think you look at Sean, the way he is wired, the way, you know, this is, this is an offensive line coach, a former offensive line coach, a former defensive lineman, a guy who believes very firmly in old school that football is won and lost in the trenches. And we, we all know, Colin, the most – kind of glossed over issue with South Carolina's team last year that I believe was overshadowed because of the offensive struggles was their inability to stop the run consistently on defense. This is a game, Colin, I feel like if Georgia State is having success running the football, they they will literally just keep hammering away at that. They will shorten this game. They've got several backs. They've got a third or fourth in KZ Adams, who comes in as a freshman from right down the road at Gray Collegiate, who's going to – this game's going to matter to him too. Um, we're going to learn – you know, forget the fact they're Sunbelt. We're going to learn a little bit about Carolina's progress or lack of progress, run defense right off the bat, I think. Yeah, and, you know, you hear all the old cliche of, you know, the team takes on its personality of its head coach and – Sean's done a fantastic job of having his team and teams emulate him from an energy standpoint, from a physicality standpoint. He wants, he wants his team, regardless of who they're playing, and especially obviously now in South Carolina, to come out and punch you in the mouth and do it over and over and over again for 60 minutes. So South Carolina, they're a physical team, but they're going to get that right out of the gate uh, from their opponent. Georgia State's one of those teams, and – yeah, that's been a big talking point all offseason, um, especially during camp with these – when you talk to Zach Pickens and Boogie Huntley and, you know, Gilbert Edmond, Jordan Birch, and all these defensive linemen, stopping the run has been something Clayton White and Sterling Lucas and Jimmy Lindsey have not showed up about the entire training camp, about we have to be better there because, you know, Missouri ran it down our throats. Clemson obviously didn't have a passing attack and beat us 30 to nothing. You, especially late in the year, you really struggled stopping the run. And if that's not fixed, then you might go from 12 or 13 possessions against Georgia State 
to eight or nine. And that certainly limits your chances of scoring. So, yeah, if you're South Carolina, you need to stop them on first and second down and force them to throw the ball. And if you don't, then all of a sudden you got a problem on your hands. Definitely, man. So, um, by the way, while y'all are watching, uh, just a heads up. So, throughout the football season, our goal, our plan is pretty much every single day during the week, 2 p.m. GC Live, except for Tuesday. Tuesday, we're going to be doing something new. This is going to be a 7 p.m. kickoff for GC Live um, with Mike Yuva. So, for everybody who maybe can't tune in during our normal live afternoon shows, for everybody who um, just wants something a little bit different, you want to tune in, ask some questions, throw some stuff in the chat, uh, Mike's going to be hosting our, what are we calling this thing, GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights um, throughout the college football season. That will be starting tomorrow on Tuesday, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, that also will give us a little bit of time because we'll be – Shane Beamer press conference is at 1.30 um, every single Tuesday. No real way to get out the content from that. That goes over into 2 o'clock anyway. It just makes sense. Talking Tuesdays, your 7 p.m. nighttime GC Live. Um, we'll be talking about Georgia State all week long. There's plenty more to get through there. Colin, let's go back to South Carolina specifically. What are your final um, – not questions, but what are, what are these final things that you feel like this was a storyline coming in and we still haven't learned the answer five days before kickoff? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's offensive, but I'll, I'll start defensively. I don't know what the edge position outside of Birch and Strong looks like. I mean, we, we know some of the guys that are going to be there, whether it's a Gilbert Edmond or a Tyreek Johnson or a Terrell Dawkins or you know, I think Brian Thomas, they have some guys behind them, but none of them have really played extensive snaps, consistent snaps uh, at the SEC level. So what does that look like behind Strawn? What does that look like behind Birch? Um, how does the wide receiver room shake out? My biggest concern, though, is, I mean, it, it was at the end of the Belk Bowl and or Duke's Mayo Bowl now, and it is now. You, know, you talk a lot about this offensive line, and the offensive line's talked a good game through these, this last month, how much of that is actually a step forward? Um, how how much of that is real and how much of that is talk? And uh, we'll learn quick. <laughs> we'll learn really quick because, you know, this is a team that needs to run the ball and, and protect um, Spencer Rattler to push the ball down the field. And if they struggle early, um, then it could be a long year for South Carolina to do what it feels like it can offensively. Um, so I'll be watching the edge positions, and I'll be really watching the offensive line to see if they can generate some push. Yeah, and I think most fans, man, are kind of um, – they're kind of wait and see on the offensive line. I get it. I um, I think that's valid. I mean, if you've watched Carolina's offensive line the last couple of years, you especially watch how they struggled a bit um, to start the year last year, you're, you're going to be wait and see about it. And it's, it's for the most part, the same group. I, I do think – an interesting aspect to this, Colin, for this year will be a little bit more depth as far as maybe some options who could push if there are issues early on. Like, I, I kind of, not that I necessarily expect it to happen, but I, I feel like if there are struggles, you have some younger guys 
um, who are kind of now wait, they're waiting on their chance. You know, I, I believe you look at this final position battle at right tackle. It seems like they're probably going to go with, with uh, Dylan Wanham off the bat, you would think. Mm-hmm. But you notice every time Marcus Satterfield talks about Tyshawn Wanamaker, he, he brings up the fact that this kid brings extra energy to the team. Um, you know, the fact that Satterfield mentioned Trey Jones by name and was like, look, Trey Jones is going to have to help this team. Uh, you know, a guy like Ja'Kai Moore, who I've always been really high on his athletic ability, I do think there will be some options. Like, I, I think that that veteran group, they're going to all get first. It's like first rights or refusal. If you can hang on to your spot, if you can get the job done, then yeah, that that's it. You're you know you're the group. But if there are struggles, I do think there are maybe some options of guys coming up who um, who have potential to be pretty good players too. Yeah, and and it's not like the entire offensive line has questions. It's more the the two tackle spots. You know what does that look like? And I feel like South Carolina feels really comfortable with. <laughs> I think stability at quarterback is going to help wholeheartedly having a clear one and number two guy, but it's really, you know, can Dylan Wanham more than likely a right tackle and Jalen Nichols at left, you know, protect Rattler and, and give the South Carolina what it needs on the edge. And, you know, talking to Greg Adkins at um, media day, beginning of the month, it was, yeah, you know, Jalen Nichols settled in at left tackle, but that was good. Just Moore was hurt. And Tyshawn Wanamaker settled in a right, but that's because Dylan Wanam was hurt. And we have these options, too, to where, let's say, you know, they obviously have some backups there. But let's say, hey, listen, Eric Douglas is banged up, can't start at center. Shift Javon Gwynn over, slide in Trey Jones at guard, and we don't feel like we lose that much. We still have our best six or seven or eight guys ready to go. And um, I think that that's something that South Carolina likes. Um, I feel like there's – there's reasons for optimism on this offensive line, but it's just a matter of putting it on tape, showing it, showing the progress. Um, and we really won't know that until after these first, you're going to know in these first three or you know, three or so games what this offensive line is made of. And I think that that's really, really key for South Carolina to take the next step that they want to take. Yeah. I mean, Colin, there is going to be some value in the fact that, you know, one of our commenters here, SC Scout guy, said, um, you know, I hope we don't dismantle them like Eastern Illinois and it's sort of fool's gold. Um, I, I agree with your thought, although I will say this, if they – and that they're not going to dismantle Georgia State the way they did Eastern Illinois. Like, I just – I can't see that happening. If somehow they did, that would be a fantastic sign on both sides of the ball because this is not Eastern Illinois that's coming yeah. in here – and is essentially going to have no chance to win the game. Eastern Illinois, if 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 they played South Carolina a hundred times, South Carolina probably would win a hundred times. Like it was shut them out ninety of them. Like yeah, like that was that much of a mismatch. This game um, is going to be much more of a contest in that it's going to be competitive. It's going to be competitive up front. South Carolina is going to have to play well. They don't have to play perfect, but they're going to have to play pretty well if they're going to get out of here without a tight game, I think. So, Colin, there is value, though, in not having that fool's gold off top. Like, you are going to find out very early in this season, week one, week two, and week three, from a South Carolina perspective, 
do I feel good about where I am? Or am I going back to the drawing board and trying to trade guys in and out? Because sometimes as a coach, you don't get that feedback right off the bat. You're kind of waiting on it. With these groups, I think it's actually going to kind of, it's almost going to be like stairs, man. Like Georgia State, you're going to learn quite a bit. Arkansas, you're going to learn even more. And then Georgia, that's one of those games, even if you struggle a bit in those areas, that could just be because Georgia's really, really good and talented. But still, these first three weeks, you were, you, you're kind of going to, there's going to be incremental increases in the level of, I would say, talent on the fronts for these three teams. Yeah, it, it's, I like the way you said it. It's kind of an escalator, you know. You go from a really quality group of five program um, who's had this game circled for years on its calendar to a team that could potentially make a New Year's Six Bowl if everything goes right to then a college football playoff contender in, in Georgia. Um, it, it's exactly what you wanted for South Carolina to really be able to gauge some of that stuff and say, okay, you know, a, a good team against Georgia State would do X and then a good team against Arkansas would do this and then by the same thing with Georgia. So you're really, really going to learn a lot just on the even the mental makeup of, of these teams and, and each of these units because you're not going to get out of Georgia State without a few bumps and bruises. You're not going to get out of Arkansas without a few bumps and bruises. How does your team handle the physicality of a Georgia State? How does your team handle going on the road and battling an Arkansas team that's going to want to go 10 rounds with you? And vice versa, and same thing with Georgia. So you're going to learn a lot stylistically, and you're going to learn a lot about the mental makeup of, of the, the 85 scholarship guys, 120 dudes that you have on this roster. Real quick, I want to get some final depth chart thoughts uh, leading into game week. Um, this show is, as always, brought to you as well by our friends at Liberty Tax in Columbia, South Carolina, 803-462-5576. Shout out to Larry and his team. Of course, the uh, 2022 tax deadline has well passed, but there's still a lot that they can help you with. Uh, bookkeeping and payroll services for LLCs, S-Corps, and C-Corps are available. If you owe money to the IRS, you can meet with a local pro. They will represent you in settling your debt rather than having to deal with some late-night 800 number and a random stranger. They've got a new location in Columbia, 551 St. Andrews Road. They've got a Lexington office that's by the Dunkin' Donuts at 1123 South Lake Drive. And they've got an Irmo office by Kroger at 7467 St. Andrews Road. Again, 803-462-5576. Liberty Tax, my friend Larry, he'll take care of you. And uh, we appreciate them being a big sponsor right here on GC Live. Colin, Final thoughts, man. Correct me if I'm wrong. We got our first depth chart of the season, preseason, in anything last year. What Wasn't it like tomorrow, Tuesday of game week? When they send out their big game notes package, we'll get the depth charts. We'll finally be able to get some – as Will Muschamp would always say, the depth chart only matters to the media, but we'll finally be able to kind of get a good look at what – at least the pecking order looks like on this team as you go into week one. I'll be curious to see how many oars yes. there are. Um, so, are there are there any spots that you are still curious to see? And, and let's just assume the depth chart is like a real, true, like accurate. Like who's this is who's going out there first, right? Um, any spots that you think are still firmly 
up for grabs. Even you know, and if they're if they're up for grabs right now, that means this is like a week to week into the season yeah. battle. What are you most curious to see the depth chart on tomorrow? Most of the starters, I feel like, are set. Like I feel like I know in, with about ninety percent confidence in a lot of starter spots. I'm really going to be interested to see who's who are the top two linebackers because there are three guys that you can say these two these two of these three guys are going to start in this four two five and it's Sherrod Green it's Brad Johnson and it's Mo Kaba. and you know Mo Kaba is a name that's been thrown around a lot by the staff by players. Um, I'm going to be interested to see if he's starting and if he is. Do you take out Brad Johnson and put him in in certain situations and leave Sharon Green in? Do you put Mo Kava and Brad Johnson out there together and get a little bit more twitchy, a little bit more maybe quote unquote athletic? Like, what does that look like? Um, and then after that, probably I would say back up at the other safety spot. I mean, I know your two starters are going to be RJ Roderick and uh, uh, Devani Reed, but mm-hmm. and Eamon Warrior is going to be one of the two backups. Who gets the second? backup spot is it Tyrese Ross is it DQ Smith is it David Spaulding what does that look like and um, I think there's just a lot of questions not about the first 22 guys but who are the guys behind them uh, as you look through that depth chart yeah and all right let's make predictions man let's let's lock our let's lock these in Um, Brandon says maybe the second DT spot with MJ Webb and Alex Huntley I'll tell you, Brandon, I I was with you preseason. It sure just feels like Boogie it, is the guy there, right? It, and even Pickens, I asked about Boogie last week to Pickens, and he goes, yeah, we've, like, really built a great connection playing next to each other. And um, spoiler alert, Zach Pickens is going to start. So if they're, building, <laughs> if they're building a connection together, it means they've been playing next to each other a bunch this training camp. Yeah, every – granted, it is a small sample size when we were out there. But every time we have been out there, it has been Boogie alongside Zach Pickens. You go, you know, even just looking closely at the welcome home footage where we got a little sample of scrimmage footage, Boogie's out there, not only out there, but making plays. Um, I, I feel like Boogie's just taking a step. Like he's beat, you know, it seems like he's beating out it. Now those those guys are going to play too. MJ Webb will play a ton. Tonka Hemingway will play a ton. Even behind them, you know, TJ Sanders, Nick Barrett, they're going to play too. But I, Colin, would be pretty surprised at this point if it's not Zach Pickens and Boogie Huntley listed as the starters. Um, my guess it's safety, probably Eamon Worry and Tyrese Ross. Um, linebacker, you do have a seniority thing. Yes. Like, I – Here's what I think. I think Mo Kaba will end up playing the most this year. Yes. I'll go on. Yeah, I would agree with you. The line. Like, I think Mo Kaba is has earned the starter spot. Now, is there – I don't know. Sometimes the seniors kind of go first. Like, sometimes it's kind of like a – Yeah. You know, you're you're the starters, and then we but as the season goes on – you know. It's a Blake Camper thing because Blake Camper started like the first six games in 2018, and then Dylan Wanham started like the final six. They had a bye week, and then it was just Dylan Wanham after that. So yeah, but I, I, and, I'll say this, man, and this is it's just personal guess. I'm gonna guess Kaba 
and Sharad Green as starters. I would I would agree with you. And then Brad behind Kaba and Debo behind, behind um, Sharad. Yeah. Um, now and. Dude, Debo's been out there with the ones at times when we've been out there as well. So I I don't know if you can rule out the possibility of as the season goes on, maybe his playing time goes up. Maybe he ends up being a starter. But you know, as we sit right now, yeah, I, I think I think that's probably how it goes. The other one I'm most curious to see how it's listed. And um probably wide receiver. Like, I, I think um, I think O-line, we have a great idea of what it's going to be like. I'd imagine it's going to be Wanham. Um, running back, Lloyd will be listed first, I think. There might be some oars, but um, even then, there's value in who is listed first among the oars. I think it'll be Marshawn Lloyd. Um, that's pretty clear. Probably Juju um, after that. What's that? Juju or Beal Smith after that? Yeah, I mean, if they were all healthy, I think it would – if they were all healthy, I think it would be Beal Smith next, then Juju. but. Juju's going to play a ton, man. He's going to have his role. Um, but I think it's those guys. Like, I think game one, the most of the carries will be Lloyd, Jaheim Bell, and uh, Juju McDowell at running back, even though I expect Bell to be listed at tight end on the depth chart. Receiver will be the interesting one, y'all, because you could have, like, a bunch of oars. Um, Shane B. Moore, like that's exactly what we're going with here. Yeah, like you have, I mean, Josh Van will start. Um, you know, maybe to carry on Joiner, but I don't like how confident are you that he'll start? He'll have a role, I think he's gonna have a big role, but I don't, I don't know if I necessarily think he might start. And and then you have some, some seniority, some team leader, some is there like a respect level? Where Antoine Wells gets a start, Xavier Leggett maybe. Yeah, see, I, I, I think, I think your your six are Van Wells, uh, Amarian Brown. So Amarian Brown and on Joiner are like your two slot guys, right? Yeah. And then uh you've got Leggett on the outside and you got Jalen Brooks on the outside too. So that that's your six. Um the order on day one could be any order. I tend to think your top three, whether it's listed this way on the depth chart or not, are gonna be Van and Wells on the outside with Amari and Brown on the inside, and then behind them, Brooks and Leggett on the outside with Joyner on the inside at slot. Now, whether it's listed that way, whether, you know, I, I think there will be times when Leggett is with the first group. I think there will be times from what I've heard when Wells is playing that X spot that is that is Van's spot right now, like the primary quote-unquote receiver spot. So how does it kind of play out? There's too many variables to really know. Like, like. Leggett could be listed as a starter and Wells could be listed as the backup to Van right now. But I still think Wells Wells has just as good of a chance as Van at being the leading receiver on this team when it actually plays out in reality. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. I think Spencer Rattler's gonna start a quarterback. I think I'm pretty well, <laughs> and I think um, we're gonna back him up. Yeah, the the rest of it, you know, is kind of 
Maybe there's a surprise, man, but I, I think for the most part, we have a pretty good feel for how it's going to be listed. Who's the third team quarterback? That is yeah. an interesting one. Do you want my out of left field take? Yeah, of course. Because it's to carry on. I, I have a. Well, I, yeah, I think that's the reality. Yes. And then after that, we've listed third. Tanner Bailey. I think Tanner Bailey's listed third. I think I agree. There you go. I think I agree. Yeah. But we'll all find out tomorrow. Right. And I think that, but I think if, like, let's say Rattler, you know, gets banged up, or and then Luke Doty comes in and his helmet gets knocked off and he has to go sit a play, I think it's DeCarion Jordan going out there for a quarterback snap than somebody else. I think they have a lot of trust in. Yeah, and, and man, I think um, the emergence of Luke yes. this offseason yes. is an important variable that needs to be talked about a bit more because Luke finally got the opportunity to sit back and learn and not have the pressure of being the guy. And I think, I think that's inv- invaluable. Yeah. And I think maybe people kind of just side-eyed it when Beamer said that, but – uh, you know, the progress Luke has made, Luke can still be a very, very good college quarterback. Yes, so I agree. I think him being available as a backup and being the guy, Colin, I mean, we know at this point he's going to prepare every single game like he's going to be called on to go in. Yeah. So that's – you really – like, I don't want to get homerish and just go over the top. South Carolina is, is in as good of a position at quarterback as they have been in a long time when you look at the totality of the position from you have your starter, you have a guy you can trust after him. And then again, if you had to roll with Warner, you would actually feel really comfortable doing that. You did it it in the bowl game. Yeah. So I think they feel good there, man. That is the, they have gone from that being obviously an issue last year for a number of reasons to being, not even on the list of questions yeah. going in this year. There are questions, but it has nothing to do with quarterback. It's it's at other positions. So, all right, that's um, that's about all I got for today, man. Colin, you got any final thoughts before we get into this uh, Tuesday presser of the first game week of the season? I'm just excited, man. I'm excited to hear what the messaging is. It's always interesting to hear week one. They've kind of been shaping the narrative internally over the course of the last three or four weeks. And I'm interested to see what that sounds like and what that looks like tomorrow. And then through the rest of the week during all these public appearances of what that might look like um, moving forward. Definitely, man. We'll have complete coverage on Gamecock Central for Chris, who joined us earlier, for Colin, who's joining us now. Um, For everybody who joined us, we appreciate it. By the way, come on over to GamecockCentral.com. One month for a dollar or one year for $10. That is our game week special going on right now if you're not a subscriber come on over give it a shot i promise you you'll stick around you'll enjoy it we've got so much coverage so much content planned for the season we're pumped we're excited we appreciate the support and we'll see y'all tomorrow okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-ch-ch-
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.